I got a real blessing. A few months back, I changed the way I was praying. I started to understand a few things that I didn't understand before. That everything God made, he made for himself. He didn't make because he was bored. He didn't make because he didn't have anything else to do. And he just wanted some things to be thankful to him. So he made some things and then gave him some stuff and gave him the problems so they'd have some stuff. Oh, man, I like this. <laughs> That's not why God made it. God made everything for his pleasure, for himself to enjoy. I built a house years ago, moved into it. I say I built a house. I didn't really, you know, Psalms 127.1, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. God built a house. And during the time I was building that house, my frustration levels were on the ceiling. You know why? Because I didn't understand. I'll give you a quick little fill in here. Last few weeks, working on the swimming pool for Jones so she can get some exercise in a pool and help her out with her physical activity and some things like that. I was out there working yesterday, and all of a sudden, it dawned on me how different my life was now than it was six months before. I'm working on the swimming pool, all of a sudden, I start running into problems. The gas line's in the way. My drain lines from the roof drains are in the way. My septic tank, I had to start moving all of it. And as I worked on that stuff, every time I'd run into a problem now, you know what my thoughts are? Instead of, God, help me. You're not helping me, God. You know, I ask you to help me today, and everything I'm running into is a problem. You know what dawned on me? Every time that I ran into a problem, my thought was, hey, thanks, Lord. You helped me fix something now before it became a real problem later on. You know, the one thing God has to add to your life that you can't possibly do to yourself, you say, well, there's a lot of things. Number one is he knows the future. You know what that's worth? And a lot of times we run into these problems and we think God's not helping us. Oh, man, are we ever wrong? The problem is that a lot of times he doesn't bother helping us because we don't respond the way he wants us to respond anyway. Started praying for my daughter a while back. Changed the way I was praying. Quit praying. God, I love her. I care about her. It just hurts me to see her raising her kids. They're lost. They die. They probably go to hell. They don't know nothing about you. They don't know. I'm just begging God for years and years and years. Put a burden on her heart about the souls of her children, you know. All the stuff you guys pray got no results. None. Change that prayer. Because all of a sudden I realize, what's the difference between me and a little kid? Nothing. God made us both. God made my wife. God made me. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. He made my daughter. Well, if he made my daughter and he made me and we're all his creation and he made us all for his pleasure, my prayers are all selfish. They're about how I feel about my daughter. You say, well, aren't those good feelings? Yeah, but that's not the best way to pray. Who should benefit the most for creating her? Who should benefit the most for her being back in church and doing some things that are right for her boys? I mean, he's the one that paid the price, not me. And so I started praying, God, please benefit from her life. Just benefit. Somehow when you see her in the flesh and she sees you, I would just love that you said, you're worth making. I'd like that about myself, but I'd sure like it about her. Why? For her benefit? No, for his. Why? Because he gets something out of it. You realize in the last few months, that girl has done unbelievable things in the last few months. 
Her kids come home. I don't even know who God is. Teacher said God made everything. Public school. She was raised in church. She knows all that stuff. Memorized all those verses. All of a sudden, starting to see her kids different. Within three weeks of me praying that, she's back in church teaching her kids stuff, and they're quoting verses to me over the phone within three weeks. I couldn't get it done. There's nothing I could have said to her. I've said stuff to her for years, gently. I couldn't do anything. I was powerless. That's because my focus was here. Set your affections on things above. In the last two months... She has sent me over 40 pages of scripture references that she has studied dealing with the glory of God and with power and with holiness and with honor and with light. And each one of those pages have between 12 and 16 verses on it. That's over 400 verses of scripture. You know what I told her? I said, quit reading your Bible and quit praying. Preachers go, what? (gasps) No, I said, go find out who God is. When you can finally look in the mirror and say, God made that. That belongs to God. It was made for him. And you begin to see yourself in that light, things will change. Things have changed in her life that I couldn't bring about in the 30 years since she was born. Dawned on me this morning, I got a son and a daughter in church because they want to be. That's great. You know what that is? That's a relief for me. But the greatest part is, God, you're using your stuff and you're getting something out of it. That's exciting. You know, you love it when people that you love enjoy themselves and get what they desire, don't you? You know why we don't respond to God when he has joy in the presence of the angels and when he has things that he enjoys because we don't hardly know anything about him. We're so much about us that we don't really think much about how he feels and what he's feeling and what he thinks. That's the problem. Last week, we started in Jeremiah 9.23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. So what's all that about? He says, don't. What? Don't glory in your wisdom. Don't glory in your might. Don't glory in your riches. You know what we usually say? We say, he's talking about them. Those, they, he's not talking about me. You're going to say, I'm not really that wise. And I guarantee you, if I was to ask you, how do you rate yourself on an intellectual scale compared to everybody else you know? Are you below average? (laughs) There you go, half of us are. You know, there are no average people. There is nobody with average color hair and average height and an average weight and an average age. (laughs) Anyway, he says, don't do that stuff, but we do. Last week, read that verse over there. For now, we see through a glass darkly, back over there in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And I really didn't describe that glass darkly, right? Because I said it was like a window that had been fogged up with smoke. A more accurate description is a mirror. Police department's got him. They take you in there for interrogation. Oh, here's this mirror. You know what happens? When you're sitting on the side of that thing with that mirror, and that light's on in that room, you can't see anything on the other side. You know why? Because all the attention and the light's on your side. You turn the light off in your room, turn the light on the other side, you'll be surprised what you can see. You know what our problem is, don't you? We got all the light on our side. There is no light on the other side. We're not looking beyond that mirror. Why? Because I like what I see in the mirror. 
Then we look at those things and walk away and forget who we are. (laughs) Anyway, what we should do is replace us with him. Look at verse 24. Don't glory in these things, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Now, do you glory in knowing him? Well, yeah, I glory in knowing him. You think that just means salvation? You think it just stops with that? Oh, I know him. He knows me. You know, he calls me by my name and I hear his voice and I respond. (laughs) That's not what he's talking about there. He's talking about a knowledge that goes way beyond just being acquainted. It goes way past that. Anyway, look at Proverbs 9.10. Just in case you think that might be just salvation. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about you being in tune with your creator in such a way that you comprehend what he's doing, why he's doing it, the purpose behind the stuff. When you get to that level, then you begin to understand it beyond that. Let me ask you something. Have you ever asked God why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? You know what that is? That's absolute conclusive proof. You don't understand God at all. That is a child's response to a parent's instruction. Why? Why do I have to do that? You know how much of a parent a child understands? Nearly nothing. My son was over yesterday with his daughter, and he says, what is it we've been telling you to do for the last two or three weeks? What is it we've been trying to talk to you about? I don't know. She couldn't remember anything. And evidently, they'd talked to her over and over and over. Finally, I looked at him. I said, well, either she's really a slow learner or you're a bad teacher, one of the two. <laughs> what he was trying to get her to say was make good choices. That holds true for everybody. That's the one thing that's left out of education today worldwide is making good choices. You know why kids get in trouble? You know why they get into drugs? You know why they wreck their lives? Because they never learned how to make good choices. Their parents made them for them, if any of them were made at all. And then when they got on their own, they didn't know how to make a good choice because they never considered the end of the thing. They never considered the results from the choices they made. Why? Because their parents controlled it all. He's trying to teach her to make good choices. Now, I wish I'd have thought of that back when he was eight, nine years old instead of by the time he was about 16 when I started trying. By then, it was kind of poured in concrete, if you know what I mean. Anyway, some of these people ought to have a lifetime verse. Proverbs 30, verse 3. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. Christians today, absolutely, because of the Laodicean church age, they absolutely think they have the answers to all of this stuff and that they're right. You ask any of them, especially if they're really dogmatic about their doctrine and their beliefs. They think they got it all figured out. They think they got God figured out. And they're not even close. They're like a little kid that thinks he's got it all figured out. More specifically, like a teenager, about 13 or 14 years old, they know all the answers. <laughs> when come to find out, it's going to take another 10 to 15 years for them to even begin to understand. That's when their parents start to get really smart, you know, later on in life. Let me ask you this. Have you ever envisioned a delighted God? Have you ever thought about God one time as being delighted? Why not? 
That's because you don't know him very well. That's why you don't think of him like that. You don't understand any of those feelings that create that delight. What's a delighted God like? 1828 Dictionary. To affect with great pleasure, to please highly, to give or afford high satisfaction or joy, to receive great pleasure in, to greatly rejoice. Amen. You know what that's a description of? That's a description of a little child Christmas morning. When was the last time you thought of God like that? And I thought God had this big old rod up there and he was just waiting for a chance to whomp his kids. You better be in this church, man. God's going to get you. He said, well, he likes that righteousness and he likes these things and that's what he delights in because he just wants a chance to whack you. That's not God at all. Not even close. God is so different from what we envision him to be and the things that we think about. We think just like a child. You know what a child thinks? You're the meanest mom ever. I wished I had a different mommy. Your kids ever say that to you? I see some heads nodding. I know they say that stuff. Not in my presence. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> we don't understand God. We don't have a clue. He's told us all these things about him, but you know what? The Laodicean church, majors on the work. Yeah. I know thy works. You better be here. You better teach. You better give. You better support. You better, all these other things. You better witness on the job. Boy, you better walk the line. That's not God, not God at all. Does God delight in those things in your life? Absolutely, he sure does. He loves it when you sing his praises with an emotional, heartfelt response to what he gave somebody else to write down and you're singing and you're saying, man, I wish I could have written that. Anyway, moving along here. That child at Christmas morning is bouncing off the walls. God says, that's how I am. We don't think about him that way because we don't understand it. We know a thousand times more about his work than we do about him. We think working for God is like a little kid thinking that his parents are all about taking out the trash and cleaning my room and getting good grades and being nice to my sister. That's what they think. And we think exactly the same way as God's children. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I speak as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We're supposed to grow in grace. <laughs> Some of us just grow out. We don't grow any smarter. <laughs> we don't grow any closer. <laughs> anyway, he says, don't glory in these things about yourself. Glory is to boast or be proud of used in that sense. That's different than the heavens declare the glory of God. This thing about glory and your riches and wisdom and power and stuff like that, that has to do with being proud of what God's given you or proud of what you have. Anyway, we're easily impressed with wise people. We're easily impressed by powerful people. And we're even more easily impressed by rich people. Do you know that? Do you know most people start responding different in the presence of multimillionaires? They don't act like themselves at all. <laughs> we're not supposed to be impressed by those things. Man, if you're going to be impressed, why don't you be impressed by what God did? Amen. Why don't you be impressed by something he made out there? Amen. I mean, I just marvel at the stuff that I see now. Why? Because I see God more as a creator than a parole officer. I see God as somebody that loved me enough to pay a price for something that he's never had to pay a price for before. If he ever wanted anything, he just makes it. And yet he went through suffering 
with his son and the price he paid. Why? Because he loves me. Is that somebody that's up there just sitting around waiting to whack you? By and by, when I look on his face, you know, I wish I had given him more. Let's have give it all Sunday. You couldn't possibly get close to that. We actually get the feeling sometimes if we're working really hard for God and doing a good job for him, we think we're repaying him somehow. We think that we're really doing a great job. He said, when you've done all these things, we're to say, we have done that which was our duty to do and we're unprofitable servants. You know, God's more interested in children than he is servants. You know what he wants from you? He wants your love and your affection. He wants the seed of emotion. He doesn't want your results. He gives you those. I mean, you know, some so, <laughs> some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. When was the last time you saw 5,000 saved in one service? Boy, if we had Peter here today, it would. Wrong. No different between Peter and us. It's God that does it. I wonder why God doesn't do more of that stuff. I think it has to do with the fact that we're focused on ourselves, and if he did that for us, we'd just start feeling that much better about what we got done. Anyway, let's take a little bit closer look at some of these things. This has to do with us personally. Now, back in 1934, Shirley Temple made a movie called Bright Eyes. And in that movie, she's a little girl, and her mom's a maid, and her mom gets killed crossing the street, taking a birthday cake, you know, and she ends up needing to be adopted. And this one guy at the airport wants to adopt her. But the whole point that I'm trying to get to is this little spoiled brat kid that's living with a grandfather and her mom and dad that are just leeches off of grandpa's riches. That little girl is a perfect example of a spoiled child. Absolutely perfect. You ever saw that movie? She's busting her dolls. She's doing everything she can to hurt Shirley Temple and just controlling everything and throwing her doll down. It's a perfect example of spare the rod and spoil the child. Now, what's so bad about spoiled children? Everything is about them. They want praise, attention, their way. More of everything. More of everything. That sound like anybody else you know? God, I, I don't want more of everything unless it's money. Guess what? You can't eat money, <laughs> but you can use it to get more of everything else, can't you? <laughs> That's all I want, just more money, God. I mean, I'm not greedy. Just give me more money. <laughs> they want more of everything. They never have enough. Nobody else in their life matters. They're never satisfied. They take and give nothing back. They're unthankful. If not happy, nobody else around them is going to be happy. That's a spoiled kid. That's sad, isn't it? How many of you like spoiled children? Ain't that something? Nobody. <laughs> they can't appreciate their parents. It's impossible for them to. And their parents gave them and gave them and gave them. You don't get appreciation. You don't get love. You don't create any kind of character by giving. What if God gave you everything you asked for? You know why you don't get it? Because he knows how to give good gifts to his children. Unfortunately, not everybody on this earth knows how to give good gifts to their children. How do you spoil a child? You just simply give them what they want. That's like the Laodicean church. You say, what? Yeah, that's like us. Laodicean church, because I say it's not rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You and I have more than anybody else has ever had since Adam and Eve, including Solomon, including the Roman Empire, including Egyptian pharaohs. You want proof of that? We got radios, TV, 
clear up to 60 inches. I mean, we got a big one here in this church. Lights, refrigerators, some of them with ice inside. Some even have ice cream inside. Mine's got some ice cream in it. What else? VCRs, DVDs, TiVos. I remember a time when I felt lucky to have a TV guide. You know, we couldn't even afford TV guides. We'd get them out of the papers, you know. <laughs> We'd get them out of old papers just to look and see what was on every week. You know, let alone TiVos. We got satellite. We got central heat and air conditioning. We got indoor plumbing with hot water. We got computers, internet, email, video games, telephones, cell phones, lawnmowers, boats, trucks, cars. And the cars even have heat, air conditioning, anti-lock brakes, GPS, and DVD players inside of them. What are you trying to say? We're spoiled. And if you think that just means a little kid that you give everything to becomes spoiled and they become all about themselves, that is the Laodicean church. That's it right there. You want to know what's wrong with us? We become all about us because we got so much that all we want is more. You say, well, we're thankful for everything we got. You know in your heart that's not true. A lot of times you have to actually remember to say thank you let alone the real feelings of joy and gratitude that swell up inside of you because God made my TiVo. God made my air conditioner. Without him was nothing made that was made. God made your clothes. Nothing exists that he hasn't made. Why can't we be more grateful to him? Because we're spoiled and we're about us. You want to know why we don't understand God? Why we don't know him better? We're spoiled. No wonder we don't understand God, because we're all about us. You say, man, that's kind of a tough lesson. No, brother. Kind of a tough crowd, ain't it? I mean, when you get right down to it, aren't we really kind of ungrateful to God for everything he's given us? You know what the problem is? The problem is the Laodicean church majors on the work, not on the master. It's about our father. And when we finally get in his presence, we'll understand like we've never understood before. When you get there, ain't nobody going to be looking at you. They're all going to be looking right up there. And I say, you're the one that made all of this and us too? Thanks for giving me a chance to know you and understand you and exist. What a blessing it's been to just breathe and now to be able to spend eternity with somebody that loves me like that. Let's close in prayer.